This episode brought to you by the letter SHIT and the numbers go fuck yourselves. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Stay A While and Listen, our generalist gaming podcast. Tonight, as usual, I'm joined by Candice and Matt. want to go ahead and uh, real quick, pardon the clicks if they make it, but I'm going to pull up a little bit of our where to find us online and kind of promote that because I know you're listening, but we haven't heard shit from any of you. Please let can't us know you're not a robot. Better. I can't get better if I don't know what better is. Do you like the bullshitting? Do you like the stories? Whatever, let us know. And the easiest way to do that is, of course, the rate and, uh, uh, rate and subscribe and all this mess through the different favorite yeah. podcatchers. But you can also get a hold of us at uh, Stay A While and Listen has a Facebook group. It's Stay A While and Listen or at Stay N, the letter N, Listen, Riff at Facebook. We're going to try and link as many as these we can in the they're description. All, they're all in the description now. There you go. And they're all tied to the dot com right <laughs> across the top. it easy for you. I'm trying to make it really easy. Uh, stay a while and the, num- uh, the letter L and the number one for Twitter. But it's going to show up as stay a while and listen. And it links right at the stay and listen dot com. S-T-A-Y-N-L-I-S-T-E-N. Com. Just saying for a second there, it sounded like we were turning into a Sesame episode. This episode brought to you by the letter L. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not trying to say. But if I have to spell it out that way <laughs> yeah. to get some response, I will. <laughs> and think of it this way. If you want this to be a good podcast and you want it to be a certain way and you like certain things. The only thing your feedback is going to do is make the podcast experience better for you. So, yeah, if there's something that we do that bugs you, tell us. It's not going to stop unless we know. Yeah. And don't vote me off the island. If you do, we understand. We're so well, I'm so- not saying I We're wouldn't so sorry, understand Matt. either, but We're so sorry. I can't swim. Matt, you and are the winkest thing. <laughs> Goodbye. Okay. Well, that was already known. We'll, we'll so. give you water wings. Don't worry. Water You'll wing. be fine. Water wings doesn't keep sharks away. God damn it. <laughs> no, but we'll give you a can of shark repellent. <laughs> yeah. Just punch yeah, it in the, the nose. The Batman one? Yeah. Right. Just it's, punch it in the nose. It's a You'll be bottle fine. of Pam with a duct tape that says bat repellent. But yeah. <laughs> yeah <man. laughs> Not like I'll be able to do any better with it if it wasn't. <laughs> Uh, seriously though, uh, if there's something that you like, let us know and we'll try and fix it. If there's something you don't like, like Siri coming up when I say seriously, shut up. (laughs) Uh, guest person today is Siri. She's a mouthy little bitch sometimes, but she's good at giving me the weather. Yeah. Uh Let us know what you like. Let us know what you hate. I know the audio quality is improving every week. So I don't want to hear it. We're trying. I'm getting better all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Baby steps forward, but the more I do it, the better it gets. Yeah, at least least it's forward. That's the point, though. So this week's episode, we're going to talk about uh, bringing a character to the role-playing table, not just a character sheet. Yeah. God, yeah. This is the stuff that can be applied to any game, 
This is system agnostic. This is just general advice. This has nothing to do with your numbers, how you roll your dice, any of that nonsense. This is all you and how you do it. All right, guys. uh, Moving on to character sheets don't matter. What's the character bringing to the table? Uh, This is stuff that can be applied to all systems and all games and everywhere you go. Because it's going to be bringing something besides to the table. Let's go just head drop right into this topic. So, first, one of the things that I've noticed that can actually help bring to life a specific character, just your character, you, you're more than numbers, how you role play it, is just interconnections with the other people around the table with you. You know, you can play as two brothers. You can play as, you know, uh, father and son if you really want to, if you want to do that weird, you aren't you kind of old to be out here sort of thing. <laughs> you don't have to be family. You can be two people that were from warring tribes that now have to get together and, you know, we need to get along to save our land. Okay, you know? If you've got a good friend at the table who's not, like, gonna step on each other's feet with it, ooh, hey, Matt, our characters used to date. Ooh, wow. Yeah, Uh a couple exes. That's, that's... Oh, yeah. Well, the one thing that you have to be careful, though, especially if you're gonna do with a relationship thing, like, okay, I play games with my husband, you play games with your wife, Matt, you as well. Yeah, I play games with my husband. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we've been there, but the thing that you have to make sure and do in those situations is that you don't make the game about your real-life relationship in the game. If you're having a quarrel before you go to game night, don't don't be quarreling with your actual spouse in the game. Yeah, um, definitely yeah. not. Because I've seen that ruin shit. One, one of the things that has always been, I think, with my husband is that one of us is running the game. Like We never are characters in the same game. He's either playing in a game that I run or I'm playing in a game that he runs because that way our characters, because we've been in a couple of games where it's not, and people have an expectation that our characters are going to be somehow linked in some way. And we're so very different when it comes to RPGs that our characters never are. But you and need, never the twain shall we meet. But I mean, you need, you need someone that you can play off of at the table. I mean, yeah. if anything, RPGs and role-playing games are all about the interaction of people. That's the only thing that's physically from the world that is in our reality is the people playing, people representing the character. You don't have to, you don't have all the visuals that normally would be, but you have characters. Oh snap! And I'm the, am I the only person that actually brings a crossbow to the game? Yeah, no, and Shit. we talked to you about that. Uh-huh. You know, you know, Thanks. I've got thieves' picks on my person twenty four hours a day. <laughs> I don't trust you. I don't inherently. But that's okay. That's only because you have a high enough wisdom score. <laughs> uh, while we're on this topic, just because I hope it'll still be 
This episode should come out in a couple of weeks. I think it's going to be long enough that her Kickstarter is still up. It's just worth mentioning. Uh, one of the people involved with the Happy Jacks RPG has put out something called Decima. It uses uh, a tarot deck to draw to throw out random character interactions. Hmm. And I've heard it used in a couple of their one-shots, a couple of their pre-games. And it's a really nifty thing. And I've got the downloaded uh, Take It for a Test Drive before she went live. And it's neat. If you got a couple bucks, go and back that because hey, you know, I love the more independent people putting stuff for the oh, industry, yeah, yeah, the yeah. more stuff I have to buy. Well, and the more independent people putting stuff for the industry, the more it's, it's going to actually grow the industry in better and different ways. And not to try and anti-pimp what you just pimped, there is also already on the market a set of like six different decks. I call think they're called like fate cards, but they have different flavors. Like, you have the horror deck, you have just the regular player interaction deck, you have the oh-no-shit-just-went-down deck, and they're interesting. Uh, I wish I could remember exactly what they were called so you could Google them, but if we have the ability, I will send that information to Brian later and... If you could put that in a description, I'll post it up on the Facebook. It's an interesting product. Well, and, and the, the reason of that, those Make kind you of bitches post shit on the Facebook yourselves. No, damn. I'm doing anything on the damn internet. Never. <laughs> no, but did, did I say I was going to make you post on the Facebook? No, I was just All making, right, then. I'm making a joke trying I'm to get right, you guys involved. Trying to get you guys you involved. <laughs> I'm lazy. We know. No, one of the things that those kind of things are good for is sort of like improv for acting. Getting getting the ball rolling. Yeah, getting the ball. Yeah. There are some people, and this is no fault to them, that want to play role-playing games, never played them before, and they can't get themselves into the mindset of another person. And I just the old way of doing it used to be just like, okay, you're in a room. What are you doing? And they, they just can't place themselves. But if you get some of those cards, it's like an improv game, and you're like, you're doing this. Act it out. Oh, yeah. Because, like, so even at the start of a game, there are some people who have been role-playing long enough that they know how to pull together the group. You know, you have your stereotypical, you're all in a tavern, and yeah. someone starts a bar fight. You have those typical no. beginnings. But sometimes, you know, the GM starts the game and you're all scattered about a town. And maybe one of the more seasoned players at your table, you know, all of a sudden, you know, looks over at your character and goes, Hey, sweet cheeks, what you doing over here? And you're either going to slap him because you're now offended or you're going to go, yeah, sweet cheeks. And you roll with it, and now two of the people in your party have this strange connection that you can build on. I will say it was very interesting last time Brian did that. The adventure was very different. I know, right? Mm, Yeah. You need to call him Sweet Cheeks more often. Hey, listen, I'll always remember that time. Everybody Mm. who calls me Sweet Cheeks ends up Mm. with a happy ending. Come on. <laughs> it's the bloodline. It's the heritage. I must do it for our racial pride. If you're not eye-rolling in the back of your heads, Latino has not done his job right. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, just oddly blushing. You're like, I did mean to blush, but oh, for some reason I'm blushing now. <laughs> Does she have a fever? <laughs> <laughs> no, she just ran across a Latino man. Okay. Now, one of the things... I'll admit that one of the things that I do love for storytelling and for all that kind of stuff 
is is the concept of uh, we all know what to do when a character succeeds. They're going to go down the storyline. They're going to do that. But one of the things that a lot of people don't take into account is failing at roles. You don't have to. You know, if you get one of the newer people that are running a game, you're going to fail. You're going to trip, drop weapon, something bad, and that's it. But a lot of people don't see. You can fail a role. That's why so but it many leads to more interesting stuff. It can. That's why so many of the newer. Indie games, I say yeah. with giant air quotes that nobody can see on an audio medium. <laughs> um, but that's why so many indie games these days have you succeed, you fail, you succeed with consequence, you fail terribly. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. There's Giving failure. them grades of yeah. is an interesting idea. The other thing that I heard recently that went made me go, you know, that kind of makes sense. You're playing an RPG. You are supposed to be playing these superhero-esque people who are doing fantastic deeds around the land. You're not Farmer Joe going, well, I'm going to go and home my yard there field but instead when you roll a one it's not necessarily you dropped your sword you know you are in you're an extremely stealthy uh rogue and you went to go and pick this lock and it's not that you just went over and just took the handle and went looks like it's locked No, you went to go and you went to pick the lock, and at that very moment, once you got the lock picked, the door opens, and on the other side is your enemy. You didn't fail picking the lock. That's the thing. Consequences of the environment failed. Go ahead. I want to mention something from Gumshoe. Mm -hmm. It's a private eye uh, detective noir game, right? Something Gumshoe Pink makes for the uh, GM side of things is it says, hey, if they need this clue to move forward, don't make them roll for it. Yeah. Better, growing from that, if they need this clue to move forward and you want to make it a challenge to get the clue, the challenge is not getting the clue. The challenge is what happens around getting the clue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and oh. it's not oh, you found the matchbook with the phone number and the address of the next club. It's you found the the matchbook, but it's stuck under the table, balancing something, balancing the table. When you pull it out, the stack of playing cards and poker chips makes noise, and somebody comes running in from the other door. Or, yeah, you, you, you know, still you got the clue. Yeah. yeah. But you still had to accomplish something to get said clue. You didn't withhold the clue. You withheld the circumstances well, around and, said clue. And one of the big things about that is it's it's similar to writing. And this aspect that it's all about flow. Like, for instance, a bad example is I've had a GM who, in VTM, there is a drive and ride check, right? If you fail... And one of them is, like, you can't start the car. You turn the key and the engine doesn't start. Okay. All right. Well, that is okay. I mean, kind of makes sense. However, now we can't get to where we need to go. The story has stalled on its tracks. And so now yeah. what are we going to do? Because the GM called for a drive check that probably shouldn't have at that moment. No. Yeah. Okay. I can see that as 
All right. The car has already started. You are going down the alley. You notice that there are three trash cans and a dumpster in your way. You need to roll yeah. a drive check so that you can expertly maneuver around these items, which otherwise may block your, the person behind you. Or, the, you know, the action the movie kind of shit. The dashing party is going to go case the joint that they plan on robbing later this week. Give me a drive check to see whether or not the police have noticed a strange vehicle in the area. Yeah, that's not that, even a drive check. Multiple that's, times. That's a drive check. Well, drive casual. But but it's a thing like it, one of the other things. Don't not, drive around the block three times. It's not a you drove and you took a failure on the drive roll, so you crashed. It's a you took a failure on the drive. It's not that the car didn't work. It's not that you crashed. It's that you're driving in the same pattern three or four times yeah. without thinking about it. So mm-hmm. now the cops are paying well, attention for your van. And the other thing is that you can't make a failure something that a person wouldn't intuitively have done. Like for instance, tripping you can't help. I get that. But I, I've had a GM, and this this was a VTM. This was in a Star Wars game. Uh, the example for this was is that uh, we were all at a at a tavern, at a you know, yeah, like Moss Eisley kind of thing. There was a hut. There was a table that you could turn, right? And so we had an item for this hut, and then we go to turn the table. First, the GM made us to roll to succeed to turn a table. Don't do those kind of rolls because. Those are things that you just do every day almost without thinking about it. It's not the same as hitting someone. But two, Mm -hmm. the person who was doing that rolled spectacularly. So the GM had it to where he basically spun this table like he was on Wheel of Fortune, flinging the item off there and starting a bar fight. That's that's not not something someone would do. That's not something you would do by accident. And those are are non-intuitive fails. Those are things that people would do. You don't just simply... One day, just go. I need to turn this table. Oh no! That's like you're you're in one of those uh, uh, infomercials where people yeah. are grabbing a loaf of bread. You're a white person in an infomercial. You're a white person in an infomercial. When you roll one, you become Karen. You have a loaf of bread, and you just throw it in the air, and they go, "Does this keep happening to you? How does yep. milk work?" Or yep, oh it's like, no! It's like, are you a victim of every time you pick up a two liter of pop, you hold it onto it the way that a two year old holds on to their toy. Yeah, that's no way to build a world of character because it also gives an uncertainty of people now dread getting... Rolls. Get, yeah, the rolls. They don't like rolling because if they get a one, not only does something not happen, but then something bad happens to them every time that's ridiculous. They live Matt's life. Yeah, um, I know. I've been rolling ones for a long time, folks. I've gotten used to it. Gotten used to it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not great. Well, that one <laughs> and, and another thing, I mean, okay, so we, we can deal with them. the roles, but in a different sense, you know, when making the character, everybody makes a character, and sometimes it's going to fall into a stereotype. That's always a problem. You can always try to make a unique character that's very different than their entry, but one of the quicker ways to do it, it's always good, is just buck the stereotype. For instance, um... A thief whose job is to put shit in places instead of taking it out. Someone who's benevolent who Robin Hood's it. It's it's not the murder hobo stereotype or a priest who will only heal you if you give him money. I liked uh, the yeah. book series that we all think of when it's thinking about terrible, overpowered gamers in the D and D systems. Yeah, hmm. Dritz Duarden. I've never read it. But- <laughs> 
You yeah, never so read them. Okay, yeah. so R.A. Salvatore's books and I was a high school student in the right age category, so I had to read them. And just because they kept you back doesn't mean necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. <laughs> but yeah. uh, well, it was either that or the in, Bible. In the cleric quintet, <laughs> cleric quintet, five See? books of the clerics. <laughs> <laughs> one of the characters that he introduces is a dwarven druid. Oh, so yeah, that that's a good example. Yeah. So there's a great example of a character that bucks the stereotype. Yeah. And don't be an elven archer. Be an elven barbarian. Oh. Oh. I was just I just yeah. built like fifteen archers to see how to mechanically build the best archer that I could yeah. at, at the time because mm-hmm. I'm a fucking system monkey power gamer and that's <laughs> yeah. what I do for fun. But I came We're up broken. with got it. I came up with a barbarian. Archer built gets a controlled rage and this weird like like hyper focus mode like breathing techniques and just so, funnel all your rage into pulling back this stupidly large bow that no I just be able just to. so part of me wants to see if I can rejigger it because I built it as a human for the Jigger. bonus feat but if I can rejigger it as a as a uh, half work barbarian <laughs> running around half work barbarian. With a great sword, because if you have to get into melee, you're already a barbarian. You can you do as well. you can do the barbarian great yep. sword. You tell everybody I'm a half orc barbarian with a great sword and a longbow, and it's just a regular longbow. It's not some crazy, god awful, terrible longbow. It has spikes. In and it. then you say, okay, half orc barbarian with a great sword and a longbow. And then when you get into the first combat, he enters his rage instead of strength and craziness. He's Maintains control and just starts shooting arrow after deadly arrow, cushioning, <laughs> machine gunning it. Yeah, no. <laughs> at level ten, it was five attacks around at plus twenty to hit and D eight plus seventeen damage. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> it's a murder machine. <laughs> okay, a machine gun, but a quarter in it. Just like it was. So. But Stereotypical. I'm coming up. I'm playing a half orc barbarian. Got a big great sword. Okay, this is what the party's expecting. And get into a fight. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing. Yeah, like, but that's that's still your numbers half of it. Oh yeah, the that's, fun that's part the of it is of it. then like when you go into town, like you, you're expecting you know drop of a hat, and then it's like, wait a minute, why is he so calm? He's always calm or a fun, always quiet. A fun exactly. thing to do with that character would be to, as the GM, to have the character have like this archery contest, and then this half orc enters the archery contest, and then have all the responses of the other competitors like, of the town, <laughs> like nobody believes it. Him. And then yeah. that also will give the players some kudos because once they absolutely master the shit out of that competition. They feel good about that character. I mean, yeah. to, to be honest, when you when you're bucking a stereotype like that, one of the good things it does is that the GM then has to react to it in the world. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's gonna force because nobody nobody walking down the streets and an RBG gives two craps about an Elven Archer. They've seen a million, and they're not gonna be that memorable anyways. They're gonna blend in with the crowd. You want a character that stands out, you know. Be a half orc archer, and now the GM is is forced to make the world bend around it and address the issue. You know, or, or talk to your buddy, and your buddy's going to play a half orc uh, alchemist. 
<laughs> he, he's getting he's getting bigger and buffer and throwing bombs. You're going to play a halfling archer riding on his shoulders. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, you know, and you have something similar like that. Like you said, have the environment interacting with it. So you make just full orc paladin. So yeah. people see this big-ass orc walking into town. He's got on full plate and everything. Maybe he doesn't have his sigil on. You know, and there are, all the people are looking at it like, oh, no. And then it's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. He, he just walked into temple? Mm-hmm. Or like, uh, like a goblin priest? You know, you see everyone peeking around the corner like, is is he going to eat the priest? And no, he's sitting there and he's praying and he comes over and, you know, bless you, my child, and goes on. And it's like, you just see the town just slowly watch and jaw drop like, what well, just happened? One of my favorite the characters. The cleric of the death goddess who's out to heal everyone so that they don't have to spend their time way, uh, don't have to spend their time going to her yet. She wants you to live your life fullest first so that you can take better stories to the afterlife. One, one of my favorite characters that I've ever, not one I played, but had in a game, and it was a long time ago in D&D, was an adorable female halfling who was a necromancer. Yes. Yes. Like, not the whole evil cackling everything. She became a necromancer because, and the dumbest reason, but I love this backstory, is because her pets would die as a child. And she got to the point she loved nature and everything, but she couldn't deal with her pets dying. So she has, at her home, like you can go to her house, has all these undead animals and stuff because she just can't deal with loss. It's so she Mr. became a necromancer. It's just Mr. Fluffykins. <laughs> it's just Mr. Wolfums. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have all haggard and undead. I had the exact opposite of that oh. once. I had Mr. Fluffykins just wants to sit in your lap. I had a druid that went whole uh, Earth Peace PETA crazy eco-terrorist mode. <laughs> Thanos had nothing on this character. It was like, oh, all the civilization is trying to overcome nature must destroy you all. Yes. <laughs> Fluffy Bunnykins the Druid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or also, also, even in a name that doesn't fit them is even useful. Oh, yeah. The, the, oh, half, yeah. the, the full orc paladin, his name, Steve. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, or, you know, as you said, Fluffykins the Necromancer. Uh, not Necromancer, the. the Druid, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. is literally just insane. Uh, had a uh, had a half orc barbarian. Describe describe your character. Well, okay, they they they're wearing hide ma- uh, hide male armor with horns uh, braided through it. Hair tied back in a giant ponytail, braided down to their butt, and a sword half the size of the person strapped on their back. And they're drinking out of a half of a keg at the bar. Tribal war paint on on, it, on its face. Big, meaty shoulders. They walk up. Hi, my name's Tiffany. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, another one that was always fun that I liked was uh, we had a guy that played a goblin. And it was a really well-spoken... Goblin, who his his thing is that he always looked at the other species and how they had a place in society that was high class. So he renamed himself Edward Worthington's Tittlewind's Esquire, and so and he's just trying his hardest to be noble. And after years <laughs> and years, he actually got his his stats up enough that yeah, he pulled off nobility without a hitch. Just just a tiny little goblin dressed 
to the nines with the weirdest little nobleman. <laughs> <laughs> One of the few times I ever got to play a high-class, uh, gossipy social character in Vampire. It was a Ventrue. I'm going to be Mr. Senior, high and mighty, whatever. His name was William Robert Joseph the third. The third. It's all, never makes it back. Do not, do not ever call him Billy Bob Joe, th- Billy Bob Joe Jr., whose granddaddy was also Billy Bob Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Nah. You call him Junior and die. The Ventrue's hidden dark secret was that he was trailer trash. Yeah. Yeah, well, good stuff. Which leads wait, us, <laughs> yeah. Which leads us into the next topic: is flaws aren't bad, and things the GM can use to leverage you into a story. I don't need another Batman at my table. No, I have no family. I have oh, no. God. I have no family. My 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 mom and dad are dead from my children. Because how many Mary Sue orphans have you ever had from new players in a game? Like I came from a land where an army came through and murdered my parents, and I took up the sword for the first time in vengeance. And Do someone next to him has almost the exact same stupid backstory. I will say I made a character that had a very similar thing to that as my first character. She was she was a cat person, Pathfinder game, rogue, had a twin, twin got lost. But the thing was is that her roguiness, her pickpocketing and whatnot, it had been something that she had been doing since she was a kid with her brother. So it wasn't like all of a sudden I pick up arms. It's like yeah. it was more of I want to find my brother. What happened to my brother? I'm not familyless, but I still lost my family. Do you know what flaws really do? They give the GM a chance to focus on you. Yeah, like uh, it, it, it gives him a story. It gives you a chance. Yeah. It gives you something that can be involved in the spotlight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So having a flaw isn't a bad thing. Well, and, and VTM, one of the things I like about the VTM system is that it has flaws and benefits built in. Mm-hmm. You make your character, they have it there, they force you to take some. Unless your house GM doesn't care, but I love doing it because uh, I have a character right now who, in 5th edition, one of their flaws, which is hilarious in-game, is that weird BS stuff that hurts vampires in the movies hurts mm-hmm. him. Like, he can't eat garlic. And, you know, things like that. He has convinced himself of the stereotypes. In 5th edition, do you sparkle in the sunlight? No, but you can get that. But no. So we'll be doing a thing, and my character will have to stop and go, is there garlic in this food? And a whole room of vampires will look at him like he's fucking crazy. But if he doesn't ask, he's gonna lose hit points. But that flaw has made it to where different situations would occur in the game that normally wouldn't. Oh, man, that's like the exact opposite of this is got permission from a buddy. Uh, we're, we're running some crazy, <laughs> like, mid, almost epic level werewolf characters. Yeah, yeah. All right? So it's like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this character. I'm going to give you this chance. You want to go crazy? We'll go crazy. And the werewolf there... 
Oh, Werewolf the Apocalypse, the old versions, you know, second editions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> second edition. Uh, you could be born in one of three ways. You were born human, you were born wolf, or you're a bastard of a bastard. Werewolves aren't supposed to breed with werewolves. They don't breed true. They come out what's called metis, and you're born in the war form, the Krenos form, the big giant <laughs> slobbering monster form. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. You're already something that shouldn't exist. You shouldn't be around. And I said, okay, right. here you go. I'll give you this one. I made a combat monster born in the Metis form, and there's a whole tribe of werewolves that fell to the worm, the bad guys du jour. Mm-hmm. I said, his, his mama was one of them. Have at it. <laughs> yeah. His mama, not his daddy. Mm-hmm. His mama stayed sane enough to carry. Yeah. Any GM that I give this to now, I just gave you all sorts of hooks and leads. Yeah. All he saw was, oh, you gave me a combat monster and you min-maxed it like a little... No. (sighs) No, I gave you you potential. And and if you're a GM, be happy with everyone that has a good, interesting, flawed backstory. (sighs) Because if you run out of gas in your story... Oh, someone's shit. uncle come to play. Uh-huh. Someone's you know, family or someone's, you know. Oh, yeah. one, of, one of the ones that was real fun in Vampire that my jam, being my husband at this time, murdered because he was so flawed and he couldn't deal with it, was it was <laughs> it was a Toreador and he was addicted to drugs and he was an alchemist, basically. <laughs> and <No>. so <laughs> anything that drove him, like, because at the time, my husband wasn't doing the hunger for blood in the system yet. He hadn't gotten comfortable with enough. So I kind of forced his hand by having a character that hungered for drugs. <laughs> and so <laughs> it drove this character. And yeah. Uh, so oh. flaws can be a good thing. So they really can. Uh, failure isn't a bad the, thing. The other thing like that may go along with flaws uh, flaws aren't always necessarily going to be, like, fumbly dumb things. No. A flaw can be as simple as your character is extremely innocent and naive. Yeah, and therefore, every so often, they blurt out the wrong thing. You know, you're trying to lie to someone, and all of a sudden, they're like, but we didn't do that. Where. Mm-hmm. The- where now the rest of the party's like, oh, she's always saying those silly things. But on the flip side of that coin, because they're so kind of naive and always just looking for the truth, they're really good at picking out liars. Yeah. Uh, driven. A, a, a person truly driven. That's a flaw. Oh, yeah. Oh. But yeah, they can't see any other solution they're single-minded on. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's good if you're if you're... If you have a hammer looking for nails, but it's a flaw when you have a hammer and you're looking for ways to fix glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Characters that can't let go. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, they, mm-hmm. these are flaws, and they're flaws that make great role-playing opportunities. Yeah, I mean, oh, hey, uh, yeah. look, guys, you're, you're trying to save the city from the oncoming orcs, and if you stay and watch this post, things will go great. But that guy that Stole your mom's car, and maybe her virginity is walking down the alley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one. Well, and I mean, it, one of the most simplest ways of doing that that has been done to death when people are new players is phobias. Oh, yeah. Giving them irrational fears of things and flaws like that. 
but you can do it more subtly with, uh, I, and it's rare to see this done well, but I've seen it done well with a character that has OCD. You know, mm-hmm. like we okay. had a guy that could never do anything if it wasn't in odd numbers. And so there was a time when they took on three guards and slew three guards. And he just couldn't deal. He had to find a fourth guard. See, he went stalking the halls looking for a fourth guard <laughs> to kill it so he'd have a round number and then he can move on with his stuff. Uh, now, now you're singing, you're singing my choir over here, but this is, this is where I want to be because in the 90s, Vampire the Masquerade, boom, yeah. mm-hmm. there were two Malkavian websites. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. There was the Dartmouth College Malkavian Clan Net website, and this was where you go to get vampire-themed parody songs and mm-hmm. uh, the I'm not allowed to do this in the game anymore. And then there was another one, and I can't remember where this one was at and where it was hosted because it was the one for us, not for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, the the... Internet Malkavians, Malkavians all being vampires that are insane. Okay. The Internet Malkavians made an agreement. No, we put all the stupid crazy shit on the Dartmouth and let the Dartmouth be the big one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So this is where you got rubber ducky explosion throwing Malkavian. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> what they're expecting. Then we had another one. And it was just all about how to properly play crazy. Mm-hmm. So, the obsessive-compulsive that needs to turn every doorknob three times before he can close the door or open the door, where you got the uh, borderline personality person who's, if I'm not in charge, and I'm not being praised by, oh, I belong in this group, then I feel like the group doesn't appreciate me enough, so I need to start lashing out at the group to make them want me again. Yeah. And it's it's nuanced. That's exactly it. Is it's nuanced. It's it, it, it's see, throwing the garlic powder and you're cooking. See, I would say that like I can't think of the name of what the phobia is, but it would be really interesting to see how you would play around it. The phobia of the people that hate big open spaces. Agoraphobia. Thank you. That's the word. It's like how could you do that? Well, my first thought is. The person always has to have their umbrella. A hoodie. Because Everywhere they go, they're wearing a hoodie. The hood is up and they're hunched over with the hood falling yeah. in front of their face all the time. Yeah, but it would make for interesting, like, especially if you did an umbrella in that case. You know, it's like, always have my umbrella open, little, you know, that real tight to the head tuck, especially like with that downpour look. But... You know, it's a gusty day. You're having to fight, and your umbrella goes, now what? Yeah, you have to deal with it, yeah. Oh, man. As so, long as you don't come to my table with stupid phobia trying to just get some extra points, if you come to my table and I, and I say, oh, hey, look, you got phobia on your character sheet. What's the phobia? Hippopotamatrosquidrodilophobia. Yeah, I know that's fear of long words. It's still my favorite phobia, but no, you can't play that at my table. Well, and, and the other thing about it is, is that memorable characters. See, if at you- that point, I would literally make someone – sorry to interrupt – but someone that was – just like a librarian and just a wordy person and just every night go home and be like, what are the longest wordiest things I can come up with and see if that person literally actually did play that phobia. I would make an NBC 
that can only speak by looking up words in a dictionary or a thesaurus <laughs> and just has, they have to communicate and it goes wrong. Oh, but, one of those nebish uh, people that uses $5 words when oh, they don't have yeah. to, you know, so me, yeah. I basically make me as, an, as yeah. a key NPC. The, 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 point of, the point of the English language is to communicate ideas. You can't, but that aside, one of the things that always interests me is what people, people don't understand with all of that. I will take, I will take a person who has an intricate, interesting flaw any day because it, like if you're writing a story, which a lot of an RPG is, you're writing a story, it's, it's really more fulfilling to root for the guy who's actually overcoming obstacles than the dude that was built to do it all. And the dude that has no problems in life except for being superpowered. No one cares about your Superman. Let me see what you can do with someone who's flawed. We're a generalist gaming podcast, right? So we can bring up yeah. video games? Yeah. Yeah. How many times have you turned on God Mode? I don't know of games that I play that actually have something it's called a God up. Mode. So, I, I, But yeah. when there was, I did every now and then. All right. How many times have you turned on that God Mode to beat a level, and then you don't turn you it don't, off? Yeah, and then you feel and, bad when you beat the game because it feels so empty. And then you turn it up, you beat the game, and you never go back to it again. Yeah. Because it's, it's so hollow. Yeah, it's, it's, if you can't lose, the victory is pointless. If you make it inevitable that this thing can't lose, then inevitability isn't a victory. It's just cooking, or it's just walking down the street. It In might that as well same be. vein, the complete opposite, hardcore mode. When you go into the game and you die, you're gone. Your stuff's gone. Your progress is gone. I Everything is gone. If I want to hate the world, like, I'll play one of those. You know, it's, it's a generalist podcast. That's something that Star Wars The Fallen Order got right. Mm-hmm. I guess see, Diablo has that, and I've done it once, and I've gotten to about level 23, and I'm like, I'm not playing this anymore. <laughs> uh, no, Star Wars yeah. Jedi: The Fallen Order did it right. It's a it's a Dark Souls kind of flavored game. It's yeah, it's a it, Souls game. But I can crank the difficulty down to the second to the lowest and play casually and enjoy the story. And it's mm-hmm. very forgiving and everything's fine. I can crank the difficulty up and have a I hate my life for an hour of. Striving for perfection. And it does a good job of balancing both. The balance act. Well, and and getting getting back to the RPG on that, though. One of the things that I do love is if someone has a character who is basically overpowered, godlike, and never had a problem in the world, it's amazing for the story when you kill it. Everybody hates it. But if you make a god, you're just asking the GM... To see if your god bleeds. <laughs> this is very true. If you if you make a character that has no flaws and no personality, then you want to break it to it. Yeah, you gotta you because see it's that just like in real life when you meet that person that we've all had the conversation with someone where you start talking about your passion and. You know, oh, well, you know, I really enjoy cooking. I'm looking forward to getting better. I just made, you know, this last night, and it was the first time I made it, and it was pretty good, and I'm thinking about how I can make it better. And the person across from you just bouts off, well, 
you know, I actually went to culinary school for three years and I'm like, okay. Oh, oh you're talking you know, about the people with punchable faces. Yes. The person that no matter what you are talking about, what you're doing, you know, even if you're a parent talking about your son or daughter and, you know, well, my son is an English major and they're like, you know, I'm in the middle of writing a book and you're like, okay, fine, skipping that subject going on, you know, and my daughter, she's looking into becoming, you know, a gymnast she wants to you know do mm-hmm. this and they're like oh yeah i did that for a year while i was in co- in uh, high school and you're like why won't you stop those are the kind of people that you just have to sneak in something that if they want up it it's worse like oh yeah <laughs> and, and last summer we were on a hiking trail yeah i hike all the time yeah and uh, i killed a camper <laughs> well i've killed like five really <laughs> <laughs> do tell. <laughs> but no, I, I've met people like that that do the whole one of them thing. And it happens in, in RPGs too because you yeah, have. And you, just like in life, you want to go over to that character. Yes. You're like, you know, you play the most peace loving character. You save everyone, even you try to save the bad guy by just doing some dual damage. And you look at this one and you just go. No. You, see, you see that tiny little <laughs> the, spark in the their world eye go, would be better without you. Well, as it just breaks. Well, one of the things, and you see them start to reach for their weapon, mm-hmm. and their hand starts shaking. Shake <laughs> one of the things that that kind of crops up in, and it's kind of a corner case, but you'll get people that you'll have the veteran gamer and the new gamer. And so the new gamer is like, oh, yeah, I got this sword. And they're going to be happy with that sword. That's the first sword they've had that's magical. And there'll be all this. And then here comes that veteran gamer's like, well, actually, I have this one sword. And let me tell you about the time I found blah, 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 sword. And yeah, I get it. We live in the old days and being as old. But eventually it comes to the point where that new player just kind of looks at their new, was shiny new looking it magical lost. sword. And they're like, oh. It lost the new car smell. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, you know, the. Like you said, the new player that comes to the table and they're like, yay, I have, I have my first plus one thing. And yeah. then you have the person across from the table who's like, we only have one? And you're like, do you know how long it took to get this? And they're like, uh, and they're not happy until they have all slots filled with something that is plus something. And still at that point, they're like, what can I get that's Better, and you're you, like, you know what? You know what that vein also kind of fits in uh, with character building and stuff. You ever seen those jackasses who are only in a dungeon because they want better gear? That's the story called, has nothing to do with their experience, and they don't care about the story. That's you called have, just going and playing Diablo because yeah, that's what that game is. <laughs> you can you get yeah. those min maxers that they'll go into a town. It doesn't matter whose house is on fire, or whose child got stolen. It's not why they're doing the quest. And if they don't get a reward that's better than what they have, then they're mad that they went and saved someone's child. <laughs> I mean, I can see it for if you're you're a rogue who has an assassin history and somehow you got drug into this. So literally you're doing this so you A, don't go to jail, and B, well, I guess I'm getting paid in the end. Yeah, well, that makes sense. You know, that makes sense for a character to do it, but otherwise... Why, why are you playing this? It is my firm belief that if all you want to do 
is build yourself a numerically sound character and go up against numerically sound challenges and try and fight. Wargaming is a better hobby for you. Oh, yes, 100%. Or or play Magic the Gathering. You can tweak your deck to be a god deck, and all you're doing is swinging at other decks. There's no story. No one cares. You can min-max to your architect. Video games, war games, Mm -hmm. card games. These are the things for that. If you're coming to a role-playing game table, story is half the battle. Yeah, it really is. And if you're unmemorable, and you're just a murder machine, then people aren't going to remember you or care. Now, and you're not going to make those little tidbits in whatever session you have that years down the line, you're all going to be sitting there together and you're going to go, hey, you remember that time when X thing kicked our ass? Yeah, but it was really funny to moon it. Now, on the same on the flip side of that coin and you're new to the hobby, you don't have to come in and LARP your character. Okay, you yeah. don't yeah, have no. to come in Mm-mm. and, oh, I've got a funny voice because Matt is king of funny voices at this table and he's been making us laugh with him for four or five weeks now. You don't have to come in with a funny voice no. huh. to get this character to be unique. Well, and a little funny voice, something that you can do oh, uh, yeah. consistently. E- easily, easily replicatable. Always fantastic. If you've got a, if you have a little prop that helps get you into the mindset of the character, fine. That's great. If it helps you, it doesn't have to happen. If you think that your character is going to sound like a pirate and that's going to be original, stop. I have had so many characters, especially <laughs> if you're a dwarf. I am so sick and tired of people being like, I'm a dwarf and I have the art. And like, okay, listen, you can go back to your ship and go find a real character. And why don't you just bring that little SOB along and then maybe we can have a game. But until then, I A, don't understand you. And B, I'm going to punch you in the face. I can't listen to that the entire time. Yar, Yar. I'm going to run like this in all the rest of our corn stories. Me hearty, me hearty. He scurvy does. No one on here has scurvy. We're in mainland. What is wrong with you, Steve? Shut up. <laughs> but that's it. I just that's hate it. The citrus. Yar. <laughs> that's Steve the wizard from the from the capital. He just happens to talk like a pirate. Yeah. Like, it's like, and, and, and always, okay. This is this is gonna be good. Always the voices that people give are voices that are they're derivations of, vo- of of accents that exist in our world, and those accents carry along with a different cultural uh, iconography, different things to deal with. Like you can't do a Scottish accent and it not carry some baggage into your character. So they're going to act like a stereotypical Scotsman. You don't have someone going, "Oh, I'd like to come and drink," and well, that's Irish, but. Ooh, I like to drink, and I like to blah, blah, blah. And they're not going to be a drunk, and they're not going to be talking about potatoes, and they're not going to be interested in the goddamn pot of gold or something dumb like that, no matter what character or where they're from in the world. <laughs> like, if you want to have, if you want to make a good voice, make it unique and reasonable for that character. Oh, yeah. Like, or don't do a voice at all. It's okay. See, when I was invited to a game uh, one time before, I... I didn't really know what I was going to make. It was like, okay, I'm 
gonna put together a bard. Random generator on any video game. Just it's basically what I kind of turned into. It was like, well, we're kind of missing this aspect in the game. Okay, I'll throw together a bard and I'll give it a shot. I didn't know what I was gonna do with it, so I named him Jules. <laughs> yeah, named him Jules. Yes, he was obsessed with food. That was his thing. His- like he because. He was a bard. I figured, okay, he's probably going to be in a bar a lot. Okay, why not? But, you know. So, he knows all the bars in town. He knows all the best food. And in doing this, I probably spent ten minutes in one session going back and forth with the GM and developing this high-pitched, really fast-spoken bard who just kept asking if they had any of those cheese balls left. (laughs) And I'm talking about the foodstuffs, the dip it with crackers, nom nom nom, cheese ball. He's not trying to be lewd. He's just like, man, those were the those are the best things ever. I really wish you had some of those cheese balls. See, she don't have them on the menu anymore because the last time that I was here, we had those and there was some really good Chardonnay. But yeah, well, and I would I would take that even though even if the voice was annoying or anything, I would take that over the bard that hits on everything that does not have a penis. Yeah, I was because I was trying to play an obnoxious but helpful. Yeah, I was just reminded of something that we did Star Wars Saga Edition. Okay, okay, this is right. episode in between two and three. Uh-huh. Okay. So, before the Clone Wars, but... No, 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 no. I'm talking about when the when the huh? time in our yeah. actual life was. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Uh-huh. Here I am trying to start no, this was... to a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. <laughs> no, this was... This okay, was... Somehow just start scrolling across GR. Yes. Flash the water. Flash the water, just trying to hit it out of the air. <laughs> Stupid! Not now! Oh... <laughs> uh, <laughs> A friend of mine had a raging, Mm -hmm, I cannot stand, I will never enjoy, no one can ever play a serious for the Gungans. Because we all had that one bad example. Yeah, we all had Jar Jar, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can't take them seriously. You'll never be able to convince me that they can be a a serious character. So fine. Challenge accepted. (laughs) <laughs> Never tell me I can't do something. I made Ling Tun, the Jedi Counselor, Gungan. Oh, really? Ooh. Well, I had a... No. Mm-hmm. So that pigeon speak. Yeah. Okay. I went back and I watched episode one like six times. Oh, why do you hate yourself? <laughs> For the, the sergeant, the Captain Tarples. Oh, Captain Tarples. I watched him and started stealing his dialect coach, and I watched the behind the scenes and all the stupid shit. Mm-hmm. And you know what this did? Hmm. Having to write whatever I was going to say on the fly in Gungan Pigeon bullshit, mm-hmm. I had to think about everything I was going to say. Yeah. And I'm playing a wise... Jedi. That's gonna Which work out. actually so helped. <laughs> I had to think about what I'm going to say before I actually speak. So all of a sudden, he actually comes I wise. came across sounding wise. Yeah. And, oh, mm-hmm. hey, wait. 
So you know what? That stupid fucking pigeon Gungan language bullshit helped me play a better character. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, have a, I have a similar story to that. I had a friend way back in the day when we were playing Star Wars after the second movie. First or second? No, first movie. First movie came out. That we were laughing about Jar Jar because everyone laughed about Jar Jar because Jar Jar was dumb. So he put in the game, one of the villains was a Gungan bounty hunter. And this dude was angry as nails and he kept the dialect and nobody took him seriously. And then he would kill people. And so (laughs) eventually we learned that the entire reason this, this guy existed was eventually he was going to destroy Naboo. He hated all the stereotypes. He hated everything to do with it. He hated his own people. And he would, he would take any job if it was to kill another Gungan. But yeah, oh. it was, it was That's insane. That's interesting. It, 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 it's... We, since we mentioned stereotypes. We mentioned expectations. But playing against them, playing towards them, playing across them, mm-hmm. that all ties back into... What is great about this fucking hobby? It's a social game. This is 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's us sitting around. Well, it's not the clickety-clackies. It's not the I killed the thing. It's not the no. I got the MacGuffin. No, well, because honestly, years after you have gone through a whole campaign, even if it didn't make it all the way to the end of it, what are you talking about? Are you talking about that time that you rolled with advantage and got two 20s and then you rolled max damage and you hit that thing really hard? Or are you talking about that weird interaction that you had in town that you really didn't expect to, but oh my god was that helpful in that one thing? And did you see and do you remember how funny it was when we went over there and our assassin actually went and sweet talked and yeah. Well, and, and oh, that time that uh, Steve's barbarian had to lie past the guards, and Steve didn't have shit for his lie skill, and he managed to roll the 20, so he said, Oh, look, he went that way. And as the guard points and looks that way, he picks up a rock and throws it into the bushes to make <laughs> a rattle, and we're all <laughs> laughing our asses off, but he managed to make a good roll, and we're not laughing because he got the 20. We're laughing because we're picturing Steve, the 8-foot-tall, 400-pound mm-hmm. barbarian. Oh, look, you go that way. Picks up a small rock, a small rock for Andre the Giant is still the rock the size of his head. Well, and and I think... <laughs> and all the guards just all of a sudden pop up like um, prairie dogs. I think... Meerkats. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think the thing is that, and the reason that we actually have this episode is because it's, here's the importance of it. An RPG is a story. Is. And the characters are half that story. You can't go into an RPG with a cookie cutter, nobody gives a shit character, and expect the story to be great. If you want a great story, it has to have great protagonists. And you are that protagonist. So treat it that way. Mm-hmm. Put thought into it. Don't make it just the numbers, because... Numbers aren't going to be interesting. I can roll procedurally generated enemies, and you can roll a dice and tell all of them fall over like mm-hmm. so many bowling pins. But what makes a story is character, and you are half of that story when you build your character. Yeah, and here's, a, here's I think, one of the things that I think people often underrate in what they're doing in the game. Bring in some of your outside life. 
If some of your outside life happens to be stupid or crazy, let's face it, in writing, some of the craziest shit you've ever heard, you're like, where the fuck, who wrote that? And they're like, I don't Nobody wrote that. That actually happened. You're like, holy mm-hmm. shit. Bring some of that in. And even just the mundane. The, like, okay, our game, we had to figure out just this password so that we knew who the friendlies were and who the not friendlies were. Yeah. And I'm sitting back and I'm thinking in my head of this funny story that it happened to work. And this lady wanted a password on her account, and she was just like, bananas. Okay. And, you know, everyone's sitting around, and we're like, okay, we need to figure out who the friendlies are and who the not friendlies are. And my character's ass just goes, bananas! Mm. Everyone just turns their head and looks. Bananas don't exist in this world. But it's like, well... It's a word as good as any other word. It's identifiable across everything. And for, like, after that interaction happened, we go on later, and all of a sudden, you know, we're fighting bad guys again, and we're about to stab one of them, and he just goes, bananas, bananas, bananas. And we're like, (laughs) and we go on and we don't stab him. Yeah. You know. Even even if it's not inherent... And some of the best ones aren't inherently, you know, weighted to the plot. Like, I had a character who hated soup. He hated soup. And in his real life, he hated soup. Because he used to get sick a lot as a child. And I can kind of understand that. I was not okay. I was a sickly child. And his mom always thought soup would make him better. Mm-hmm. So it just got to the point where he hated soup. So, in the game, his character just hated soup. And it didn't do anything to the plot. But every time they went to a tavern... He would, you know, someone would offer him something. They'd be like, here is some porridge. No, God, I can't. And he'd have these, like, slow descending moaning, like, meltdowns when people would bring him this. It's like, man, come on. Y'all got it. I can't do this again. Y'all, y'all have something else? No, we have a stew. Oh, God. I don't know if this is worth it. <laughs> I used to... Yeah. I, I did my tour of duty throwing boxes for a evil giant mega retail corporation. As they all are. Yeah, this um, is very true. So the D&D Box party... Mm-hmm. The D&D party was brought in from fellow employees that all worked for this same mega corporation. And it was the villain. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. So... I started off slow, you know, we're level one and we're trying to go to level one to level 20. And this team made it to 16 before it petered off. And I'm so disappointed because it was so close because 16 is still impressive. At at level one, at level one, they're barely hearing nothing. There's no whispers. Level eight or so, there's a demon lord trying to break out of hell. Nobody knows his name, but his cult's out there. Yeah. Level twelve. Oh, his cult is his cult is starting to slowly uh weasel its way into every city and every town because if we can get everybody to be taking these same uh divine uh unhallowed uh what is it called? Uh, like communions and that okay. sort of thing. Oh, the waiver oh, rituals. Yeah. If yeah. we if we can have them doing these stupid things yeah. like uh saying this same prayer and 
turning on and lighting the same uh, off-white candle before sacraments. bed. We're getting these sacraments yeah. going, and he's, we're getting more power for the dark evil <laughs> of our <laughs> demon lord. And by by fifteen, so this is why it's so disappointing. By fifteen, they're finally figured out the demon that's trying to break up, out. The cult is all worshiping. All hail the demon tram law. <laughs> the blue baler of the yes. underworld. Yes. Oh, hell, Tramlaw. He uh, wants more and will more. never be satiated. Oh. You just yeah, every every just village weird. you get to, there's people that are displaced by the, the cult. They're like, well, I mean, we had a potion shop. But this cult over here, they sell them for really cheap. I don't know where they get them, and they're not as great. But, I mean, I ended up having to go work there because there, there, there wasn't any other option. Me and Myrtle, we just we just going to have to make it. <laughs> they don't have any health benefits, and I can't get 40 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the nobles are like, and these, people, and these peasants want to be paid a silver piece a month? No! <laughs> Declare we will completely be out of money and our piles of gold will disappear if we pay two pittance every person a month. Oh, man. You want to talk about power gaming? Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. I would... D&D 3.0. A 10-foot pole cost a silver coin. Okay. A 10-foot ladder cost five copper. Break a ladder. <laughs> Break a ladder. <laughs> you can just keep selling the other halves of the ladder. <laughs> the, you go to the carpenter's like, I don't know what he wants, but he keeps buying our ladders. The whole army out there, people with spears, are just sharpened halves of ladders. One of them even has we some of the rungs bar. still on them. We opened a bar. How did you open a bar? Well, we bought 2,500 ladders <laughs> and then <laughs> broke them down and sold them. Oh, my God. I love I love game of oh, ten stuff. times profit. <laughs> There's still oh, that little God. step one ladder, step two break it in half, step three profit. <laughs> well, I, I love it because there, there's we we recently ran into this. Um, so D and D has a great economy system. It does. You can abuse it, yeah, but it's there. VTM doesn't. No. And so we, everyone is fucking rich. Yeah. And so we get to this point. Well, I mean, like, when you're. How many hundreds of years old? Exactly. But you're not supposed to be hundreds of years old. Supposed, the characters by the book are supposed to be maybe 30. Yeah, the 13th gen. Yeah, you're supposed, supposed to be. And you're supposed to be 50 years old if you're an old vampire. And here's the crazy thing. The, the, okay. The characters oh. are supposed to be the bottom rung newest of. And vampire. these immortal vampires that have been around for centuries that have all the power, all the money, all the wealth, all the everything. Okay. This was where the punk came into the game. Yeah. Oh. Was okay. You're supposed to be, you're stuck in this eternal corporation where the only way to promote or die and is to eat them. There's no way to promote. Yeah. So you're because not supposed to eat they them. That's taboo. They yeah. don't retire. They don't die. Yeah. Unless How are you going to get them. more power? You kill them. You kill you them eat off. Them. You, you well, and them off. That was the thing, though, is that we were we were in this situation. We were at a uh, uh, a house show. Like they used to have the. This will be the home of the future. 
Yeah. And, you know, the head of the is like, oh, now we have completely working electronic you know, microwaves. But so we go in there and they're all supposed to be rich and everything else like that. And they're like, are you going to bribe the, the, the doorman? Well, I mean, how much money do I have? Well, you're, you're horribly rich. And I go, okay, so what? Just money. Just extend my hand. Here is money. How much? Doesn't matter. I don't buy anything in my life. I don't need food. I already have all my weapons. Would you like money, little peon? Like that, the economy system in VTM is non-existent. So I, we made it to where all we do is I want to be like, I want to get this, this, and this money. Do I have money? Sure, you have that much money. You have monies. Well, you that is more monies than you have. So no, no monies. Resources in Vampire the Masquerade is supposed to go from one to five dice or one to ten dice yeah. for playing a super high level mm-hmm. crazy thing. And it's supposed to represent how much liquid cash you have on you. And at, as long as you have two dice, I think, you're usually good. It, it, it's $500. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And this is 90s. So $500 went, well, $500 went twice as far as that. Yeah. Yes, it's very true. Okay. But I mean, like. So this was supposed to be you could buy a rifle for $300. Mm-hmm. Not a $1,000 AR 15 that we're talking about these days. We're talking about, no, you could buy a, an AR 15 for 500 bucks. Yeah. So for two dots, you have the discretionary funds to go pick up the rifle and the bullets and yeah. grease whatever palms you need to get it under the table. Yeah. Okay, we're good. Vampire was never supposed to be a oh, filthy rich game. No, no, no. It was it was always supposed to be a. <clears throat> I bought the pistol. I don't have to worry about how many bullets I have. Yeah, bullets are supposed to be cheap. Okay, every character has at two dots. Yeah, enough that they're throwing around five hundred dollars a month. So you should never be worried about buying yeah. Burger King. Yeah, tipping the yeah. tipping the doorman, a tipping the doorman should never have affected. It should have never been a blip on your character sheet. No, I just tipped the doorman. How much did you tip him? Doesn't does matter. It, does it really matter? Yeah. This is vampire. Yeah, in the end, vampire's economy is non-existent. It's what yeah. what runs that economy is blood and social standing, and that's it. That's how you get shit done in that. Well, like the same thing with D and D. Okay, there you more uh, closely actually count how much gold, silver, copper you have. But in the end, when you go into, say, the apothecarium and you're like, I need to restock my herbalist kit. And they're like, okay, it costs you a silver or 10% of the price of of the herbalist kit. Yeah. You know, and... They're like, don't even count it, because what you're really looking at is the cost of, I want to buy this magic item. I need, you know, the cloak of sneaky sneak, the shoes of fastness, you know, where you're looking at your hundreds of system breaks down gold. in D&D Pathfinder when you l- stop looking at it from an adventurer's perspective. Yeah, it does. Because, according to the books, a family of four... Lives off of a silver piece a month. Yeah, and we're bargaining with, you know, the leaders of the town, like, well, I don't know, a hundred gold pieces ahead is actually enough for us to save your asses. <clears throat> and, like, the, we don't have a hundred pieces of 
Nothing this anywhere. This is a <laughs> town of 30 people. Yeah. And their entire economy runs off of 30. Oh, but that's 30 people, so it's families of four. So we're going to take that number back down to, oh, so wait, the entire economy of this town runs on six, seven gold pieces a month. Yeah. Well, so this rich adventurer wanders into town with 600 gold. I don't want to buy anything from the item shop. I want to buy your entire loyalty for two years. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'll take over the ki- the kingdom with 3,000 gold. Yeah, you probably could. <laughs> you really could. <laughs> yep. yeah, but, you know, it's never really looked at like that. Yeah, You're not like, looking like at said. the individual cost of what it takes to, yeah. you know, again, feed a family. Because yeah, that's not part of your adventuring. If you're making five gold and then you need to go and you know, per adventure because that's what's realistic for the world. But then you go flipping through the book and going, okay, I just need an uncommon item. It costs 300 gold. I have 25. Mm. Things all of a sudden start falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. If I was, if I'm being a realistic D&D character, I'm retired by level five. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about it is... I have 500 gold. I'm rich. I'm you really go, are. I, I'm buying myself into the barony and going to retire as a wealthy man who can afford to bathe every day. Well, because... <laughs> especially, like, the, uh, I love playing naive characters because they don't actually know the worth of a gold. So you is go it in, shiny? You know, they're... You know, you have the one character who's always vying to get more money, and they're like, why? And, you know, the rest of the party's like, well, I need to pay for a place to sleep. And they're just like, I just wandered from town to town and, you know, did did what I needed to do f- to help out the people. And then they would give me a place to lodge because, you know, I healed there or I did their whatever. And so to them, gold has no use. So therefore, when they go and they buy something and, you know, you're in the shop getting chunks and pieces of lard and animal parts because you want to make an explosive. And they're like, oh, here's a bucket of water. She's just like, okay, here's five gold. Not knowing what mm-hmm. that actually just gave the person. They're sitting there like, <laughs> and you're oh, running man. away well, with a bucket of goo. Well, one of the things that always got me about 3.5 is in the loot system, one of the options that you can get from loot is artwork. Mm-hmm. And then you have the party in this podunk town, and they automatically assume that now they have the gold for whatever artwork. Yeah. Where are you selling this? I got a painting worth 15,000 gold. Yeah. Where are you selling this, buddy? You're in a podunk um, town. They don't have that money, mm -hmm. and they don't care. Hope that the next town over has royalty. Yeah, yeah, you either have to go to the capital or you have to go someplace. But I always hate it because they're like, I got so much artwork. First of all, you got it from a fucking slime. Well, okay, hang on. That makes some sense. First of all, you got it from a gang of kobolds that were out in the woods that have been, you know, attacking the town that obviously doesn't give a shit about art. Why they had art, we don't know. But now you have art. Are you going to go to the town and sell it? No, you can't. So now you have this art. But I always hate it because we'll have characters like, I have... So many pieces of art. I'm going to go into the town and sell it. Sure you are. You didn't think that one through. 
you know, you walk up to the farmer and you're like, I have this fine rendition of <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And then pull out this big ass canvas. And the farmer's just standing there with the eyes half open, <laughs> chewing on Boy. something. We're not sure what he's ever chewing on. Boy, I ain't ever had no use for no odd. Margaret, get on out here. I'll see what this boy has. Uh, on the mm-hmm. on the opposite side of this, uh, talked to a GM once and said, "Hey, uh, if we we got the rules for inherent magic item equivalents, yeah. So like, you can just not buy your plus one sword. You would ha- assume to have an extra plus one to hit at X level. Yeah, okay." Right? Can we? Can this character go off of this chart instead of buying magic weapons? Why? So I want to make a monk with a vow of poverty. What? <laughs> yes. So now the party rolls into town. They split their loot five ways, and the monk disappears for for a day. Where'd the monk go? Well, he went to the grocery store and paid for their month's rent, mm-hmm. and then he paid for the orphanage to deal with the. And every town he went into, he. Just, yeah, because he didn't need any shit. And the thing it's about a it monk. Is, he did What magic and, items does he need? It's been, <laughs> and the thing yeah. about it is, is that that is character, and that's eventually like if, if a good GM had a hold of that, eventually he would get renowned and he would get known for that, and people would come to your aid when you lose it. Like your carriage and breaks down on the side of the road. Yeah. You're, to ask you to yeah. go out and do things for them. Yeah. <laughs> like, your carriage breaks down on the side of the road on the way to a castle. All of a sudden, there's a guy from the village who you helped, you know. You know, and he's you like... paid for his farm, and he and his, you know, two sons come out there and help fix your damn carriage for nothing. No, this was, this was the great one, right? All right. So, we're playing this off and on, and finally... The characters that want to go and become nobles and they want to get princesses and all this bullshit, right? And we're going to a ball. Yeah. All right. But the monk, he doesn't care about it. Mm-mm. He got to use a bowl of rice. But you got to go to the ball. I don't have anything to wear. Yeah, you do. Up comes uh, the tailor. Yeah, and you're not going to keep it. I know you. You're not going to keep it. Wear it to the ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it advances the story. It advances the world. It flushes it out. And so, oh, you're going to go to the ball. Okay, okay, i got to go to the ball. I don't, wanna, I, I don't drink alcohol. Alcohol makes me want to fight. Drunken master. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not drinking alcohol. Okay, can I get... Uh, what do you want to eat? you got all this pig. Can I get a doggy bag? He's eating his rice and he's taking a big fancy meal, <laughs> donkey bagging it. Then he goes and he's giving out the. Do- <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Well, and also and I it think had no mechanical effect, yeah. but, but it made the whole difference in the oh, game. Oh, the characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and and one thing we haven't touched on, and not there, but alignment. Play your actual alignment. Respond oh yeah. That. I mean, I don't mean and to be please mean, please don't just choose chaotic evil because yeah, the world doesn't a... need more murder hobos. Yeah, your chaotic, mm-hmm. your chaotic anything. Chaotic doesn't mean do whatever you want. Do whatever yeah. you want. But people, when they immediately want to be evil, like just not evil, evil, they choose chaotic, chaotic. or chaotic neutral. 
Chaotic Neutral is the fuzzy moral ground that most people stand upon when they want to be evil but don't want to be kicked out of town every time. Yeah. Chaotic evil. Fuck you. I do what I want. No, that's not how it works. No. My, one of my favorites. Oh, the best ever. I'm gonna make a lawful good paladin. People always assume this is lawful stupid. You ever no. seen a good example? Ever, anybody at Sable ever read the Dresden Files? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael. Yeah. There's a damn good lawful good paladin. Mm-hmm. You can play it right. Yeah. Oh, you want a role-playing challenge? Take the role that everybody assumes is going to be a fucking pushover. Pansy. And play him right. Mm-hmm. Play him lawful good. Yeah, and then you're the one man. It, it, it kind of has the man-at-the-wall feel to it. You are what brings justice. You are what upholds the weak. You are, and you go off that. And you're not an idiot, but you actually give a crap. And that's that's a hard thing for a lot of new players to do, is oh. give a crap about the world. Mr. See, Incredible. The, see, the yeah. real interesting ones are when you start getting into lawful neutral and lawful evil. Yes, they oh, can yeah. work very well. People that follow the laws to the destructive level of, I know this law is corrupt and horrible, but I'm enforcing it until that I ruin something, lawful evil, or the lawful neutral of, I don't care what the, necessarily the laws of the land are, I follow the laws My of code me. Of or worse yet, uh, if you get a lawful neutral that's amazing to see, is uh, whenever someone comes... And it's hard to play, but when someone comes upon yeah. something that is inherently immoral, but is still lawful in the land that you're in, that he just looks at it and goes, no, nah, they're upholding the law. Like, we had a person that played lawful neutral in one of our games, and we wanted to see how well he played, so we sent him into a place that had slaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the party is having horrible fits, as you should. Mm-hmm. About, you know, the autonomy of all these people that they aren't real, but the autonomy of different people. And he had to play yeah. his character. He's like, no, I'm going to go find that person's slave. That's his property. Yeah. I will try to avoid doing this in the future. And we've done a very good job of avoiding it up to now. But I'm going to go ahead and throw some little real world politic and religion into this bullshit. Oh, goody. Um, I'm going to engage the, the moral philosopher. Absolutely. Because, <laughs> you know what? You're playing the the lawful neutral character, and what's your code of honor? And stereotypically here in the U.S., what are people going to pretend to say? Well, they're going to, if they're religious, they're going to say some credence like Christianity or Hinduism. Okay, okay. Yeah. Some credence like that. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a lawful good paladin playing the, the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Okay. okay, so you don't give a damn about slavery. Yeah. yeah. There's, you don't there's, give a damn about. Yeah. I mean, you. <laughs> yeah. You, you you would give what's uh, according to the law. <laughs> yeah. And the lo- that's the thing. Like how you mentioned you went into a town that accepted slavery. Yeah. In these worlds, generally, if you play them long enough, you're going to get from one side of a large continent or world or however your jam is deciding to split up these geographical areas. And you're going to get to another side. And you're going to see that law is not the same everywhere Mm -hmm. you go. There are nuances. Like, 
I love just how you said bringing in the uh, political bit. Just go on the internet and just look up stupid laws that still exist. Oh, yeah. Like the fact that in some state, a woman is not allowed to drive the car without a man outside the car flagging it down like, you know, watch out, everyone. Mm -hmm. My wife is driving right now. I can't remember if it's still on the books or not, but I know that by the time I hit elementary school, there was still a law on the books for Abilene, where we live. Yeah, I'm throwing it yeah. out there. Yeah. Uh, any horseless carriage had to have a horse rider 20 feet in front of it with a 10-foot pole with a lantern on either side. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. This but... was on the books. Oh, yeah. By 87, 89. Because <laughs> I gave a book report on it. Interesting. Well, well, okay. Isn't there a law out there somewhere where you can't go fishing on Sunday? Probably. And now we're in Texas. We declassified illegal blades. So all blades are legal blades. So you can open carry a sword now. Well, and here, <laughs> here's the thing when it comes to RPGs that's interesting. And this is, this may be to in-depth philosophy, and I'll, I'll have to shut up in a second, but nah. there's a difference between a character that is playing social contract theory and someone that is playing either a utilitarian or a consequentialist theory of what is lawful. Mm -hmm. The social contract theory is the saying that each laws are good or bad dependent upon the society that makes them. The mm -hmm. society agrees upon. For instance, social contract theory for us would be I never agreed or signed a piece of paper that said I would go 75 miles an hour on the highway. Why do I do that? Social contact theory. There's a law for it. It's for mm -hmm. the betterment of the good, and we all agreed on it. Yep. So, if this character is lawful good via social contract theory, he goes into a society that has slavery, then he turns a blind eye. If this guy's a consequentialist, sort of like a utilitarian or uh, a humanist, for instance, and he goes inside that society that has slaves in it, it doesn't matter that it's lawful to them. It is not lawful to him. And all of a sudden you say, okay, look at the harm you're doing. Laws have to follow the problems and harms of the people. Therefore, your laws are bad. You just made me actually think of uh, the TNG episode where Wesley fell on the plants. Fell on the plants yeah. And the community was like, you broke a law. You're going to die now. They had laws that everyone followed flawlessly, and one punishment, death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the question, when someone plays that character, you can get in depth, and you can set the morality. What is the morality We of can character? have a lot of fun with this, as long as you approach it with maturity and rationality. Yeah. And remember, we're all having fun. <laughs> That's a big thing some people don't remember. Because yeah. let's just... <laughs> We've mentioned it at least another episode, probably two episodes. This is a hobby. We're yeah. here to have fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, granted the hobby mm -hmm. can reflect on how life works in some ways or the inherent nature of people, and, but and if you're not having thing. fun, walk away. It's a hobby. Yeah, and the yeah. other thing is, it's not going to be 100% fun 100% of the time. Yeah, it's like people. You can have exactly. an off night. Definitely yeah. can have an off night. Yeah, you can have an off night where oh, your dice try to kill you, so they're putting you in or, an off mood and things aren't going quite well, or... Some other person is just getting your goat. I've had mm -hmm. that in so many different games where some person 
the yeah, on the when, phone don't care player. Yeah, that just spreads that oh. affect of a person spreads, and it just brings the whole thing to the. Or room. I'm having a night as a GM, and I'm just not. I'm not clicking, so none of the descriptions are working today. Yeah, so yeah. it's just okay. You go there. What do you do? Uh, yeah. I want to. I want to. I want to do the thing. Okay, you do the thing. Cool. What's next? <laughs> and I'm just not feeling it. Uh, there's no characters. It's when you're like, you know it's a good night when you can your characters walk into a place and you can paint a picture. But there are some nights you're like, okay, you you, you go into the tavern. What does it look like? I don't know. Like the every tavern. other tavern. It's every other it's tavern. Wooden, it's got tables. It's got a bar. There's a it drunk. Has, it has a, a very busty <laughs> woman walking around and a disgruntled bartender. The NPC of the quest is over there. He's the sad yeah. one that lost his family. He's Just the guy with him. the green crystal over his head. Because, <laughs> yeah. damn it, he's, I'm not having this. Yeah, <laughs> not like, dead, you motherfucker. Well, well, you have that guy over there with the uh, yellow exclamation point over the head. Or you can go to the blue exclamation point, <laughs> And we can do that one every day if you want to. Yes. Look, guys, I'm, I'm just, I'm having a little trouble today. You got yellow exclamation point, you got blue exclamation point, you got fucking Sims over there. Pick one and we're going to town. <laughs> I don't care, walk into the woods, call it a night, whatever. I'll have you get attacked by a bugbear, I don't give a shit. <laughs> a bugbear that hangs out in the woods and kicks the players back into play. <laughs> You're getting outside of the quest area. It's <laughs> like a goalie in soccer. Yeah, he has Hand, the mitts. Handball. He has the mitts and he just like crab walking side to side at the parameters of the town. He's like, man, we should leave the town and go adventuring. Boop! God dang, bed bear. Owlbear's back there with a stick in case you get past. Uh, the, the, then, you know, you get the gnome and it just gets, almost gets past it. You know, the goalie, tweet! <laughs> and it's been called a handball. <laughs> back into play. <laughs> Yeah, the nights where you railroad a goddamn campaign like forever, like, I want to go talk to, there, there's that other character that you said was in the bar. I want to go talk to them. They're not there anymore. They're passed out. They're passed out. I want to talk asleep. to this person. They're mute. You're want, moved, player. I, I want to go talk to this person. She's busy blowing the head guard for her monthly salary. Oh, huh, she must have kids. It's one silver. Well, I think we've done a very good job of fleshing out this topic. I think we stayed relatively on topic this time, and I hope that our rambles were still entertaining. Are you going to give us a cookie? No, I'm going to hope that somebody else online gives us a review. Yes, please give us a review. If you give us a review, he, he'll give us a cookie and we, we could eat finally. It's so lonely in these cages. So, I mean, this is doing great things for my diet, but seriously, they're starting to worry at work. The dog is looking at me. I think I'm starting to fall into the prey category now and I don't know if I can fend him off. He's an awfully large dog. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. Uh, music, of course, was uh, provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Uh, intro was Faster Does It. Outro is Dark Sea Land. 
Uh, next week's topic, I think we're going to go ahead and continue uh, generalist, and we're going to talk about uh, how to set up running a game for beginners. Yeah. So, see you next week. Rate, comment, subscribe, review, email, whatever. Do something, interact with us, let us know what you like or hate. Good night, everybody. Thank you.